0: Hi, my name is Roy Collin, and welcome to the show. I've also got five podcasts, The Awakening Podcast, Exposing Fraud and Corruption but with Solutions, The Crypto Podcast, talking about all things blockchain, NFTs, crypto, The Meditation Podcast, talking about all different types of meditation, but there's also meditations there from one minute to two hours. And the other one is The Learn Polish Podcast, so if you're interested in learning Polish, you can do that. And the other one is speaking with Roy Cullen, and I just have guests from around the world talking about either public speaking or also about their book or just general life in general. And you find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. I'm also a podcasting coach, and you see the QR code there, and it's also on my link as well. And if you're interested in actually going on some podcast shows and helping people doing that, or if you're interested in sponsorship, you can contact me. And I'd like to thank my sponsor, danielpacker.com. He helps people with anxiety, stress, and addictions. He's got a 90% success rate, and you only pay if you're successful. So be sure to check him out, danielpacker.com. I hope you enjoy this week's show. Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. My guest today, he's a new author and solopreneur of Man Up Sober Up from Florida in the USA, please welcome Ryan Pendley. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me here. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. So, I mean, Man Up Sober Up, it kind of does what it says on the tin, but I want to know a little bit more about Ryan. You might let the listeners know
1: yeah uh so I'm, I'm a firm believer in that if uh, if you solve difficult problems in this world i think it's your responsibility to reach out help other people that are having the same problems that you found some success with you know i am no i don't claim to be an expert i'm no, I'm no doctor but I, I learned a few things in in my in my journey i've uh and I've recorded it in this book, right? So uh, the, the book is a mixture of stories uh, about how dark things got, um, you know homelessness, I was in a coma, you know, uh, things like that that, uh, you know, hopefully people aren't familiar with, but I do know that some people are familiar with, so it can resonate uh, with with some of the readers. Uh, to know that there are people, they're not alone, and there are people that understand, right? And then the other portion of the book is are the is the tactics, right? It's the methods that I um, kind of use to to start getting to work and then finding a way uh, off the bottom, you know, the rock bottom floor, you know.
0: So I suppose let's go back to the the younger reign. What like how did this all start? Did you start drinking younger, or what was your upbringing like?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I started drinking um, a, a little bit early. I would say that uh, the linchpin, though, for for when things really got out of control is I, I was a part of that whole opioid epidemic um, situation, right? So. Uh, they started prescribing me pills that, you know, it was, it was uh, copious amounts. It was, you know, I, I, I say now lightly that it was enough to kill a rhinoceros, you know. And so here I am, um, you know, uh, nearly instantaneous addict. And then I had a, already had a family history of alcoholism. So, you know, you, you pair those things up, man. That's, that's a recipe for disaster, right? So uh, at an early age, I, I was what I felt like functional, Right, you know that that kind of a term, that approach, uh, but before I knew it, it was like boom. I'm looking around and I'm like, you know, what the hell happened? So, um, the the early stages, I, I feel looking back that it
0: snuck up on me. Like, was there which your own parents? Was there an alcoholic in the the household as well, or was that oh. kind of relationship? <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's a uh, there's a there's a pretty uh, dark story in, in my book about my my mother. Uh, she's still struggling um, uh, with pills and booze, and she, uh, her and I were both using. and um, And she sent me to jail. She accused me of trying to uh, to murder her. And you know, the story gets into it, and obviously uh, things panned out uh, uh, over time. But uh, it was a really dark moment, and you know, I still. I, I, think about what it would be like if she, if she were to reach out, call me today and say, Hey, you know, I, I need help. Uh, that's a pretty far off. Uh, it's a distant reality. However, um, you know, it, it's been to answer your question. It's been in the family. Um, it's a part of, uh, the history. And so, uh, separating myself from that will be a legacy at, uh, at least my own legacy to, uh, to kind of break that chain, to, to separate my bloodline from uh, from addiction and alcoholism is, is, is something that uh, I'm focused on, yeah.
0: And, and I mean, my own experience, like where I grew up, I grew up in a kind of rough neighborhood and I saw a load of the parents were alcoholics. And what I see is with the children that they either totally against it or they become alcoholics themselves. And just from your own journey, is there a way now that you know what you're doing, that you've overcome this, that is there any kind of advice you could get people that are kind of on the fence because it's a dangerous place to be because like in reality, that's the time that the state should jump in and kind of be there to help people, but they don't. It's like they encourage this.
1: Well, you know, it, this... uh what you're touching on here really brings me back to this uh story and, and forgive me for not knowing exactly where i remember it from but uh there's two two very uh different men um brothers and i think in the story they're twins but um one was incredibly successful and one was uh an alcoholic an addict uh, abusive and so um they were both asked you know well how, how did you get here just much like the question you just asked me, like, how did I get here? So the, the, the brother that was successful, massively successful, he says, he says, oh man, you know, it was my father. He was an alcoholic and he beat us when we were younger. And, you know, I use that as my fuel and part of, part of the reason why I, I reach out and I strive to be successful. They asked the brother who was abusive the same question. His answer was exactly the same. My father was abusive. He, my father used alcohol. My father did this. So you see, they, they, they framed it. It's the framing, right? So you can either use that as a part of your fuel or motivation to get away from it, or you can let it destroy you and you can follow the same suit. And we, and as you mentioned, there's people that do both. Um, so I think the, the, the real, the imperative element is, you know, how do you look at it? How do you frame it? You know, um, And so I'm always letting people know that, like, in the in the trenches, like while you're dealing with it, it doesn't seem like there's any way to look at it other than, well, this, this is pretty, pretty crappy. This is an awful situation. And objectively, it might be so. However, you know, you can use it, you know, you can use these, uh, you can use these circumstances to as a launch pad, you know, for, for becoming better. Right. So it's really about how you, how you view your obstacles and then, yeah, man, hard decisions, man. So uh, yeah, I would say framing it
0: is, is, is what it's all about. With the opioids then because i mean i've seen a few shows and but i've heard about you know just it was orchestrated as well unfortunately was it something that you just saw was the kind of going trend and got into it or had you an injury a pain and it was prescribed and then it's like it kind of spiraled from there you know it, it's interesting you know now that you ask me that question
1: i realize that that's not in the book i i didn't even write about it it's, it's coming back to me and uh I, I mean, I had dabbled like in the, like the party culture with prescription pills. And then um, I did have an injury and um, I, I broke my leg, a compound fracture of my leg. So I've got a bunch of titanium in there. And I mean, right away, the the doctor prescribed me 220, uh, 30 milligram roxycodones. I mean, they, and anybody that knows anything about it, that, that is a lot of medications. So uh, and they sent a nurse to my house and everything. She was showing me how to crush them up so I could get them into my digestive system faster. And I remember my my friend tells the story he says man I remember your eyes lit up. And I was an addict. Boom, I was an addict. Like just I mean it, it hit me and I was like, "Oh, this is euphoria." And it was. I mean, it was that's what that was. That's what drugs do, right? So Boom. I mean, just like that. Yeah, I mean, there's no need for anybody to be on that level of medication. And and there I was, and I did all that for like, it was like $5. I mean, I was, you know, for a person, you know, that has a a built in excuse like that. And people would look at me and I'm clearly high and they would look at me and they'd say, you know, and I'd say, well, I need this. This is my medicine. No way, man. Yeah. So it's, uh, it was unfortunate. However, I don't blame, I don't blame the doctor. I mean, it's, 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 I
0: was still the one that
1: put it into my body, you know? Um, But yeah, it was that that it was actually,
0: I would blame the doctor because of the kickbacks that I've kind of researched and seen and everything in the whole thing is orchestrated. And even when they know it, they just keep doing it. I mean, like the reality is if you're in pain, you want something to resolve it. So I've never actually tried that. I'm just wondering how long does it last for the lift and then what's the come down like? dollars that wouldn't have used it yeah so that that's
1: um uh so uh, eventually i I guess i'm starting from the end and working backwards my my life turned into a four-hour window right uh i would sleep for no more than four hours i would plan out about four hours ahead of time i didn't think about any any damn thing in my life Anything further than that time and then that window of four hours. And why was that? Because that's how long my high was. That's how long my high was. And then once, you know, so it's like, okay, well, I, I, I take the pills, I'm high, now I can do something. Then the high starts to wear off at around four hours or something like that. Well, now the only the only mission in my life at that point is to get more drugs, right? Is to get more high, and this also applies for alcohol. It was the same same scenario, so my entire depth of of time perception shrunk to four hours biologically and and psychologically. Like, I didn't think further than four hours ahead, and my body would start to uh, I guess you could say withdrawals, but I would be either less high or going through withdrawals after four hours. So everything shrunk to that that uh, that amount of time, right? So, and then eventually, of course, as addicts know, like you're not even getting high anymore at a certain threshold. You're just maintaining, right? So it's like I wasn't even getting high. I was just trying to make it through the day. And so, um, yeah, I would say that that would, if you were going to put a timestamp
0: on it, four hours is the, is the stamp. And Like what, what was it like people around you then when you were actually doing that? Were you annoying? Just because I remember being at an event and there was people that were doing coke. I don't do coke. I've never done coke, but they were annoying, to be honest with you. And I just kind <laughs> of got away. It's like just... More moving and just like as if I'm the energy. And I was like, this is so annoying. I just got away from the person. Is it similar that people kind of, you think you're the life of the party, but the reality is those that aren't using kind of go, they want, it's like a magnet. They're kind of being pushed away from you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, yeah, and I can see, I can see that scenario. It's like the one, you know, if you're the one guy, if you're doing it alone, that's a huge marker that you got a problem. And I've been around these people and it's like, you know, they're sweating, they're grinding their teeth. They're talking inappropriately at different times. And, and it's like, Oh man, like you you're way off, you know, you're way off. And so uh for myself, um, my, my very specific situation I had a lot of people that cared for me and it would just became sad it was like oh man you know here, here's this you know it's like we were, they kind of remembered who i was and they saw what had become and it was like damn you know like you know he's not speaking clearly again you know and, and then that's where it eventually led up to um but you know drug, drug use and alcoholism man it's selfish I was thinking very little about other people's perceptions of me. I didn't give a damn what they thought. I felt great. I, you know, I felt like, Oh, this is amazing. And so, um, you know, getting into the social, social situations, I can say that the very worst part about it was people's perception of me being like useless and a liability. That's how I, I eventually it was like, people were just like, Oh, great. He's here he's either going to cause a problem or he's not going to bring anything to the, to the, the scenario. I'm not adding any value. I'm not having wise conversations. I'm not even being funny. It's like just sad, you know? So that, that, that's the darkness. That's the darkest that it gets um,
0: to be honest with you. <laughs> cause uh, I believe you were, is it 11 years you were working in a bar in Vegas? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, right, I mean, yeah, like so. if you look at, you know, like somebody goes to Thailand to a monastery, they create something like Vegas with the energy zap of all the electricity and all the stuff and just the people surrounding it, you're kind of putting yourself in the wrong. So I'd love to know your life, the way, what made you go there and how your daily life was when you were in Vegas. Yeah.
1: Well, it's not all bad. I'm going to say it right now. It was not all bad. I'll tell you something about uh, Las Vegas. it has got more national parks within 100 miles than any other city in the US. So it wasn't all bad. It's not all cocaine and prostitutes. Although if you want cocaine and prostitutes, that is there. But, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of hiking, a lot of snowboarding, but also This is the cocaine and the prostitutes (laughs) and and not that I was in this every night. It's just like it's it's that that uh, that that level of uh, like it's almost like Sodom and Gomorrah, right? It's like that's where you go if you want to get into that stuff. And here I am. I'm dead center. I was bartending on on the strip. I mean, anybody looking for that kind of uh, hedonistic behavior. I mean, I'm right in the middle of it. And that was my nine to five, you know, I mean, it was actually more like seven to three or four in the morning, you know? So here I am, I'm in, I'm in the center of where people come to do hedonistic things. Um, So my life would be, you know, during the day I would, uh, I would hike, I'd go to the Red Rock Canyon. I'd I'd trail run. And this is how I maintained a balance for a while. This is how I managed to be, be an addict. Like I said, functional if you want to call it that is that I would try to try to get some physical activity and then I'd hit I'd go to go to work and then it was just I was just knee deep in in the muck you know um and so uh, what brought me out there was um you know it, it was for the time being at my age I was 21 at the time um and it was it was a financial opportunity uh, if you're going to bartend it anywhere, anywhere in the world, that's the place to do it. You know, it's just, it's the, it's the pinnacle. Um, so, and that's what I did. And I went out there and so for a while, I, I I did have a balance and it wasn't, it wasn't all horrible. And, and then I would say, you know, uh, well, not just me, but people closest to me say that like once I had the injury to the leg, boom, it was done. You know, those pills made, it was a hard left turn and, uh, it was, several years before I found my way back to the path, you know.
0: Oh, well, with the, when you went into the coma, then you might just kind of tell me how that all came about. Right. So then, you know, I, I, sometimes
1: when I get into these stories, it's like a it's a lot, it's a lot of them. So I, I had uh, I needed out of Vegas. I needed out, right? I said, well, well you know, I just gotta I gotta get the hell out of here. I left my house. I left every belonging I had. Um I was in a relationship left that relationship and i thought this is going to be what this is going to be my solution i was going to get a new environment and it was all going to be better and so i went to colorado i'm in estes park um and things didn't get better things got worse why because i i brought all of it with me i brought all of these tendencies i brought my attitude i brought all of that with me um this is pretty much the only thing I brought with me <laughs> was, my, was my problems. So I get to Colorado and uh, I, I start in again. Um, I start drinking, I start, um, you know, and, and now I'm away from the pills, but now it's, it's Coke, it's meth, it's uh, whatever I could find. And I'm selling whiskey there, right? I'm, I'm a whiskey, uh, I guess, uh, like a sommelier for whiskey. And I'm up there selling high end whiskey. And I'm doing well financially. However, uh, you know, physically, I start to break down. And I end up going to the hospital uh, one time up there, small town, 6000 people, tiny, tiny, tiny town. Um, And so I go to to, to the hospital. And of course, everybody knows everybody. The doctor had come to my bar and, you know, ate often. He tells me, he's like, you're diabetic. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I'm diabetic. Like, get out of here, man. And he said, No, I I'm, I ran the test. I, I'm pretty sure you're diabetic. And then from that conversation. I mean, fast forward, probably about two months later, uh, uh, I went into a diabetic coma. Um, I, my body temperature went down to 85 degrees. And I had uh, begun begun to die. You know, I, you know, defecated myself, I threw up on myself. And a friend of mine thought, I hadn't, you know, he's like, I hadn't seen him do any drugs. I don't know what's going on. Um, so once the paramedics found me, they airlifted me to a town because the, t- the town I was in was so small. They didn't have the ability to treat me. So They, they took me on a helicopter, uh, got me to a town with triage. Um, and seven days later, I wake up out of the coma and, uh, and, and God willing, I had people around me that cared. And I don't even know if I would have come out if these people had not been there in that room. Um, but I did, I, I, I came out, uh, unscathed. I don't believe I have any mental or, you know, inabilities, uh, as far as, or, or repercussions from the coma, uh, physically I'm all right, I guess. I mean, I'm still diabetic, but, um, yeah, that, that coma, uh, was interesting. And then, you know, people say, oh, well, that was when you turned it around, right. You, 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 you snapped out of it not even close came back to florida it was probably it was another 4 years and things got worse than that so the coma actually wasn't it wasn't the peak i went way 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 deeper uh and and, and at that point it was mostly alcoholism because i couldn't find drugs anymore um and so yeah and then that's how i ended up back in florida and here i am uh you know it took a while to really gain traction you know uh if people look at this book or they look at me now and they think oh man yeah it, it was just this you know you stopped on a dime and turned it all around and and that that couldn't be anything further than the truth the truth was it was it was a series of hard battles with some small wins that turned into larger wins and then eventually if you if you get that
0: formula right you start you start winning right with the coma because you hear some people kind of saying they knew everything that was going on they could hear all the conversations have you any recollection of when you were in the coma yeah that's such a a great question man because uh yeah there was when
1: i there were some people that wanted to know those that same thing and um i'm in the hospital they're kind of watching me as i'm kind of getting my 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 mental clarity back and um there was a a, a a dear friend of mine. She showed up with a, a pad, a notepad, and she was like, "Okay, tell me what you saw." And she was just hellbent on my story. Um, and there wasn't much. It wasn't vivid. I can tell you that it wasn't vivid at all. But um, I believe, looking back, uh, again, like I had mentioned, like the energy. You know, there was people in that room that cared about me. And looking back now. I, I'm confident that there's a purpose. Right. And um, it wasn't so clear. It wasn't just like, I, people were telling me like, Oh, you're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. And I didn't listen. I didn't listen. And it took me some time uh, before, before that became clear, but uh, there wasn't a, there wasn't an out-of-body experience uh, or anything like that. Um, and in I would say when i did come out of it though the realization about where i was at i mean i was i was about 60 pounds lighter than i am now so i mean i, I was so skinny uh, the verge of death there um that it was it was a wild uh, awakening you know both literally and figuratively right
0: which yeah. um because you mentioned like you, you know you were diagnosed as being diabetic but then you kept drinking and I just know from somebody that back in Ireland, that like, there's a high danger of actually losing your sight when you're drinking and you're diabetic. Is that something you were aware of? I didn't care. <laughs> I, did, I didn't care. I, I mean, there was,
1: I, there was no shortage of people along the way that, you know, they, they said, you're going to die if you keep this going, it wasn't even the sight, or, you know, of course, there's, there's um, repercussions for not treating diabetes, you know, you can lose limbs, you can lose toes, you can lose your sight. Um, It can be very debilitating. When you're talking to an addict or an alcoholic, they don't give a shit, man. (laughs) Like I didn't care. I it was like, you know, oh, you want me to worry about my eyesight? Uh, You want me to worry about my monitoring my blood glucose levels I I got things to do and that involves getting drunk and forgetting about all the things you're telling me about you know this is my response to doctors I would just I would basically just say okay and just one in in one ear out the other on about my business and that business at the time was you know destroy myself so
0: yeah what was that pinnacle moment that kind of made you decide I need to change this. Yeah. I,
1: the, I think the, the, the knowledge that I needed to change, it it had been there for a while. Uh, what set, I wouldn't say it was, it was the awareness of that I needed to get better. It was the desperation, uh, to find a solution. And so, um, that sounds very dark instead of saying like, instead of implementing this moment of hope, it was more of like, I was desperate and I wasn't going anywhere. I made up in my mind that I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to check out here. You know, like what, what am I doing? I'm ready to go. And God did not have the same plans. And so when I'm looking around, I'm like, well, all right, I'm still here. So like, well now what do I do? You know? And so when everything falls apart and you're looking around and you're thinking to yourself, okay. It's completely tumbled. It's completely uh, shattered into so many pieces. It's like, okay, well, what do you do then? You get to work. It was like, okay, I'm desperate. I need a solution. And I just started, I started gaining some traction, man. And, and that traction was small. Like the, the, I would say, uh, you know, like I had mentioned earlier about the framework about having uh, addiction and alcoholism in your family and, and the solution there is like framing it, yeah. You know? But that's a that's a high level uh course of action, is framing things. So if you need to get simple, you need to start small and simple. And so what I what I started with, and I failed m- many times, was 15 minutes. I would tell myself, you're not gonna touch that bottle for 15 minutes. And I I would I would fail. I would fail. Like I I would the wheels would fall off. I'd drink the whole damn thing passed out, you know, all in 10 minutes. It was, uh, that experience, uh, is, is very disturbing and, and it's, it's, you know, far from encouraging. However, you know, that 15 minutes turned into an hour and that hour turned into two, which turns into a day, turns into a week. And that, that's the, that's the formula. Right. It's just too, it's so hard for people to stretch out that far. Like I had mentioned, the four hours is what I, what I, that was a a very strong threshold of what I could grasp mentally for so long. Um, However, eventually it snowballs and you get that, you get that, that, um, that influence, that, that winning feeling, uh, the results, all of it becomes exponential. But it all, you have to, you have to shrink it to a manageable level that's 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 na- the name of the game
0: you've got like this uh free 21 day sobriety and fitness challenge which i think that kind of came from that that you realized that you build it so you might tell us exactly what that entails
1: yeah it's a um <clears throat> it, it's a it, it's an effort of of mine to really package up what i've been going on about here is uh it's it's for somebody who doesn't know where to begin but they think to themselves i could i could be either more sober or entirely sober even if you're flirting with the idea Um, or if you're desperate uh both are touched upon in this program it's not too intensive it's it's a very laxed self-paced um Program that somebody can kind of just like dip their toes in, but it'll, it's 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 something that addicts and people that want to be better can grasp. And so, my my idea throughout the entire thing is to to get the wind win. So it's um you know when I use the word challenge, it's to get people's attention, but it's more it's more of like a, a solid win in the right direction for both sobriety and fitness. So you complete that challenge. You have now started winning, right? You complete that challenge and now you're moving in the direction of, of both uh, a sober lifestyle, if that's what you want, and then also becoming more uh, more physically fit, which I think coincides. I think that if you want to become more sober and be a more ideal version of yourself, then you're going to have to also get your body involved. I think that they're linked. And I think that, uh, when I, when I was constructing this challenge, I, I needed both of those firing uh, for people to have the best chances of, of success,
0: right? The reality is when you do train, you're getting rid of all the toxins, but you're also doing, you're breeding better as well because most people, they shallow breath. And when you breathe better, get more oxygen, you get a better thought process. And it's a big kind of chain reaction. Whereas most of the times people are trying to give up an addiction that's what they do they're going to a meeting and they're doing that they're not doing the other things so that's what I love what you're doing you know you're kind of tackling it from both sides but at the same time yeah. just that little feel good factor and just kind of reaching the next stage which in turn goes hey I can do this which gives you inspiration to keep going
1: yeah Yeah,
0: you know, without a doubt yeah so I, I feel like even now that I'm
1: speaking to you Roy like I mean maybe I could have come up with a different word word than challenge it's like but how do you you know it's, how do you phrase it it's like hey if if you get involved with this you're going to see some progress you know and and so uh that's my intention you know like to 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 give people that progress to move forward in both um you know just
0: getting some steps to an ideal future right so have you Done meetings as well, or do you just stick with your own system that you've done? I, you know, I,
1: I see the the AA meetings, right? That they're, the, they're the 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 king of the hill. They have the twelve step program, and that's saved a lot of people's lives. It really has, and and that system has uh, been around the longest. I mean, since since people started having uh, serious problems with alcohol, um, AA has been around and it's done so much for, um, uh, all societies when it comes to abuse of alcohol. And, um, when I got involved in the, in the programs, uh, it didn't do too much for me personally. I didn't find as much, uh, I, I didn't resonate as well with the program as others might have. I I thought, hey, this is great what you guys are doing. Uh, The route that I chose was uh, introspection and uh, like spirituality. So I, I started really implementing a lot of parts of the program, you know, like giving, giving it up to a higher power. I've done that. Right. Like uh, I happen to be a Christian, but I, whatever it is that you choose um, as, as your deity or your religious organization, giving, giving some of the responsibility to a higher power, which is in AA, right. um, Is imperative. It's imperative. It's imperative to like relieve some of that pressure, some of that guilt um, and, and, and people that have been in that fight know that that's, that weight is unbearable, which is why a lot of people stay in that same cycle. Um, so, uh, I have implemented several, uh, portions or, 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 elements of the AA program, not intentionally to steal from them, but it just works. These methods work. and, and, and so my formula for success will be different from another person's. And so um, whatever that combination looks like, um, that's what you got to dig into. It could be anything. Um, So the AA programs are, they're incredibly valuable. And uh, a lot of people um, need that social interaction. And the the way that I chose my social interaction was with the intimate relationships that I, I had uh, around me that it, maybe i had tainted over the years i really d- i dug into the ones instead of reaching out to gain new ones i kind of uh focused that energy on on the ones i already had or are you know ruined or you know like i said tainted so i i started working on those because you're going to need we all need we all need social interaction like this is this is great what we're doing here and so uh however however you best find that it is uh is going to have to be a focus for anybody wanting to like make this happen. You know,
0: I think as well, you know, when you are rebuilding the relationships that you've damaged, I think it's more within you as well. It's not just obviously you're helping the person and making it nicer for them, but the the feeling, the good f- factor that you've got yourself just by actually doing that is, you know, you can't put a, a price to that. And I'm just curious because I remember you know, when I was working in Ireland, there was uh, one, one guy that uh, what I knew he, he was an alcoholic and it, it's similar in Poland. And unfortunately, there's events that go on, whether it's Christmas parties, birthday parties, weddings and stuff like that. And I saw that they could come in, but after an hour or two, they had to kind of leave. And I'm just curious, when you find yourself in that situation and is there techniques for people not to kind of feel that? Or are they better off just staying away from an event when... You know, because I mean, I know that you can be ten years off it, and it can just happen. And you know, there's the risk factor. So, I'm just kind of curious, what's the best way to navigate that one? Well, when you first when you first start out, finding
1: finding that, uh, like for instance, you know, I, I I I couldn't even walk past a liquor store. I knew if I if I went past a liquor store, I mean, it was like a time machine kicked in. I, I it was like I, I knew it was there. I knew I couldn't go in. Somehow I made it in, purchased the alcohol, went straight to a public bathroom, drank half the bottle, and I was drunk. And this all happened in like, man, it was like lightning. It was like seven to 10 minute window. And I'm looking around, I'm like, I've done it again. How the hell did this happen? So I had to just, I couldn't even go near a liquor store. I mean, geographically, I'm talking within miles. I, if I knew a liquor store was on the crossroads of this road and this road, I would, I would travel an extra 20 minutes around. Cause I just couldn't do it. I could, I could not be near it. Um, so, so maybe that's social scenarios, maybe, maybe you do need some distance. Um, but what I can attest to is that, um, for myself, I, I thought it got easier. In fact, I was actually, I I, I do events now. I sell events, um, and I was at an event, and I actually got back and started bartending. I was bartending, and I here I am. I mean, alcohol is six inches from my mouth. I'm pouring it in drinks. I'm serving it, and it never crossed my mind. It never crossed. It didn't even. It wasn't even a thought. Now I was very busy. I was trying to help out the the event. You know, it was was a very busy event, Um, and so. Here I am in that scenario. If it had, if, if that had been me three years ago, there's no way I would have ended up a puddle on the ground. So awareness is is key, right? If you know, oh man, if I go into that scenario, I don't feel confident that I can go through and and not give in to temptation. And so then the solution is to stay the hell away. And I had to do that. Like I had to stay away from parties, I had to stay away from friends that were partaking um, for some time, you know, um, and, and then you know maybe the solution for somebody is to find a whole new group of friends and a whole new whole new um, environment where it's just not even existent, and that's not a bad that's not a bad tactic. For me, I wanted those relationships back with those people. Those people meant a lot to me, and I couldn't make them stop or do. It. And and nor it's it's their business, so you know, but I wanted them back in my life. So I knew I had to create enough resilience in myself, enough strength that I could not give in. And it wasn't instantaneous. I I worked on that strength over time. And that's what it is. Like I said, you know, like I, I built it, like I was a little bit stronger. I was a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. And then now, I mean, I, I couldn't believe after I got done bartending, and this is just a few weeks ago, I thought to myself, damn. And even a friend of mine pointed out, he's like, man, you, you're back there. You're covered in alcohol. It's splashing everywhere. And like, you, you don't, you don't, uh, nothing. And I said, no, nah, man, it, it's, it, it's a wild thing that I've gotten to this point. And it wasn't always at this point. So um, yeah, it, the, whatever works. And if you have to abstain and stay away at that phase, do it, stay the hell away. I mean if i i i look at people and i wonder like you know a, a bartender if you're bartending professionally and you're struggling with alcoholism you might wanna you might want to get the hell out of that profession right like I, I think it would would be wise um you know uh
0: because you know you're just throwing yourself in the devil's den you know just finally, rain. Like I mean, obviously, I love your mission, what you're doing, writing the book to help others. So you've obviously, I, I'm assuming you've kind of seen or helped somebody else that has gone through this, and just how that feels for you, knowing that just that little ripple effect is beginning.
1: Yeah, uh, it. You know, if you look up uh, the definition of vocation. Right. Uh and this is something, you know, as I was gaining traction, I would, I would, I would pray about this a lot. I would I would ask for this a lot. Is that um like what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? And you know, vocation isn't necessarily about making some dollar amount, uh, it's about operating with a purpose and for others. Uh well, I I I put in for others, but it's like it's like you go and you do something that has more value than just money. And so I would I would focus on this, like, what am I supposed to be doing? So when my why came together, my why came in and, and really I, I started seeing other people that were in pain. Um, and I, I I was like, I can help that person. So before I wrote the book, before I had any idea about what I was going to do, I was like, I that's what I have to do. I have to help that person, not only that person, but many people like that. So how do I get that done? And I worked that way. So then, you know, the book came, you know, it's, it's a great way for people to access this, this help. Um, but I haven't stopped there. And so the feeling of, of reaching out, uh, visiting people in hospitals, uh, speaking at, um, rehabs facilities, um, in a lot of and these conversations could be one-on-one or they could be one with many um you never know when you're going to resonate with somebody you never know when you get when you they're going to look at you and and there's going to be a click in there in that you cannot plan that you're not you can't you can't sell that you can attempt to try you know because you never know when it's going to come you never you never know when it's going to come so the feeling that when i see somebody's eyes that they've they've had either, you know, whatever you want to call it, an aha moment, or, or, oh, that's useful. I might try that. It's like, and maybe it won't work, but, you know, they're, they're making moves. And, and so, and like I said, you know, even even with the, the, the challenge, it's like, just get going in the right direction, you know? So the, the, that's really what I, what I want to do is I want to reach back, either pull or, you know, sometimes pull is not the right word, but like nudge, get people moving towards becoming better. And, um, and yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a noble cause. And in my mind, it's, it's my cause, right? So it's, it's my why and uh, it's become my purpose. And now I'm looking to kind of uh, make a business out of it, not to really gain financial you know, not, not to make money, but so I can perpetuate it. That's the name of the game. And so if I can make this my, prof- my profession, then I can perpetuate my help. And so that's, that's what I'm doing. You know, that's,
0: that's, and nothing feels better than that. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Listen, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, Ryan. you might let people know how they can find you. Yeah. I, uh,
1: I've got a website, uh, ryanpenley.org. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, my rock bottom recovery. So that's my Facebook handle. Uh, you can find the challenge on my recovery.com. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then the book is, uh, is man up, sober up. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Um, it's 10 bucks. I actually have the ebook coming out, uh, in two days, right? So on the 17th, the ebook versions, 99 cents, um, uh, like I said, you know, I've got a few different ways that I'm, I'm, I'm attempting to, to give back and, and, and reach out to people uh, working on their sobriety and trying to get better uh, in life.
0: Excellent. Well, I wish the book and the audio super success, but I don't know, are you actually doing the audio? Are you going to do, do an audio and do it yourself with the, with the book?
1: Yeah, that's uh, you know, that, that's the next progression. Um, <laughs> that's the next progression. So I uh, I I I know that when you anybody that's uh, experienced authorship, I know you're an author, and it's like when you when you when you're doing a book, there's a lot there's a lot of elements, um, and if you're firing on all cylinders, then you're gonna have the ebook available, you know, at a lower price point. You got the hardcover; it's a few extra dollars for the fancy packaging, right? And then you, you got uh, the audio book for people on the go and in the car. So the audio book is probably gonna be the next uh, the next
0: phase. No, but, but I'll make sure I put all the links of all your social and the books both on the audio and the video. And I love your mission and I wish you super success with the book and also the business, which in turn is going to help a lot of people. So thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you very much, man. No problem. Have a good one, Roy. Thank you very much. That's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. Until next week, take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating and share with your friends. And you find all my shows with the QR code or bio.link forward slash podcaster, as well as my podcast coaching. And I'd like to thank my sponsor, DanielPacker.com, helping people with anxiety, stress, and addictions. He's got a 90% success rate, and you only pay if you're successful. Also, if you'd like to go on a podcasting tour, I can help you do that. And if you're interested in sponsorship, you can contact me on my bio.link forward slash podcaster. Until next week, take care.